time to rejoin the conversation. Here we go. Party politics. So, uh, I was sent a link for a video, and the video was an interview with the rapper Killer Mike. He's one half of the group Run the Jewels, uh, and it was on NRA TV. Um, uh, And it was with a black host of a show on NRA TV, Colin Noir. Um, So, I watched the interview, and um, there were several points uh, in the interview that struck me. And I thought that uh, it was really interesting having two black men having this discussion on that particular platform uh, was very unique and enlightening. And uh, so now I want to not only talk about that, but kind of unpack the this topic that we've been dancing around for a while and have the gun talk. So... Um, I know Mr. O'Connor has to leave uh, sooner than anybody else, so I'm going to start with Chris. Um, so you did get a chance to to look at the video, and so uh, what what were your thoughts? Were there anything that stood out or struck you? Or uh, yeah, I mean it's always it's always interesting to see, um, especially somebody you wouldn't expect yeah. to be on the side of gun control or you know pro gun, I guess. Uh, come out in favor of gun ownership on this. And he did a lot of the things I did expect, which you can't just come out and be an advocate for crazy guns. <laughs> right, 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 right. He, he, he was pretty nuanced in in uh, the way he went about it, and advocated responsible gun ownership and a lot of uh, protection and things on those lines. All, all, and all that was great. What I thought was kind of interesting as well, because otherwise, to be perfectly honest, if it hadn't been... Or Killer Mike talking to the dude from the NRA and all that kind of stuff who happened to be a black guy too. It wouldn't have been that eye-catching of a video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It just was another guy just going, hey, I like responsible gun ownership. Great. Wouldn't have thought much of it. I thought the backlash of the video was more telling than the video itself was. Yeah, 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 yeah. We had to come out and apologize. And then he was saying that, well, the NRA used it kind of against my wishes and did all this kind of stuff. And... uh, that, to me, I think is more telling than anything he could have mentioned in the entire 42 minutes that he did give the yeah, yeah, yeah. interview. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, who apologized? The rapper? Yeah, so he started getting just massive amounts of shit on social media for... Because the NRA knows what they're doing, so they, they mm-hmm. cut up the clips and they put them out on the day of the march and all that kind of stuff. And... and oh, the, the point, day of the kids' march. Right. Yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and he had a line in there that's just pretty funny that said, you know, I told my kid if he cuts school, <laughs> right, right. go to the margin, don't come home. I thought that was kind of funny. But, uh, and then he backtracked real far from that later because he was getting massive amounts of crap out. And he was like, Dude, come on, that was obviously a joke. Relax. Right, right, right. You know, but that's how sensitive everything is. Exactly. Right now that even just what was an obvious joke can't be taken as an obvious joke. Um, but even more to the point that that I thought was maybe a bigger problem is just the massive amount of group think that you run into. Yeah. Think about it. There's this bizarre notion that, well, 13% of American population should all think alike. So if you're African American, you absolutely have these thoughts. Right. And then larger than that, there's also, well, women all think this. 
and guys all think this. So now right. you're starting to subset all these different groups and all this kind of stuff, and it just gets to be absurd. It's the same way when they're like, well, you're a Republican. Well, then you automatically think every single thing that Republicans think. Because he was like, listen, yes, I can vote for Bernie Sanders and be in favor of responsible gun, gun, gun ownership. ownership. Like, right. you know, there's a million nuanced positions uh, on these issues, and I find it bizarre that you're not allowed to have them. Mm. You always have to have the black or white extreme side of any issue, exactly. no matter what. And you're also supposed to get in line with whatever your party denomination is all the all way the way through. That right. doesn't make any sense to me. Nah. Especially when we're advocating, why can't we get along? What's, what's all this civil exactly. discourse about? Well, the way to get along is to start understanding each other's positions and stop arguing for the black and the white extremes on each side and figure out where the gray is. Because really, we basically all live in this middle gray area, exactly. to be honest. But you're not, just not allowed to have that position. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, I got to agree with Chris on that. I, I think that's the thing that bothers me most is that America has always been America because... We can have our own opinion. It's called freedom of speech. And if we feel a certain way, we shouldn't have to apologize for how we feel. It's how we feel. It's our opinion. If, yeah. you, don't, if you don't like our opinion, you have the right to not like my opinion. Exactly. You know, yeah, but, 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 but to I be, shouldn't be castigated because... Well, and, now, and I think that's... I think, I think that was the thing that got me, too. It was not even the positions he was taking in the actual interview. It was the horrendous backlash from doing the interview. And I, I remember watching, um, uh, I think it was a clip from Hot 97 in New York, and they were talking about, uh, not uh, Ebro, Ebro, and yeah. Uh, and I remember they were talking about the interview and, and they've got this uh, little sound effect that they always do, uh, you know, congratulations, you played yourself. And I remember, and I remember they, they kept pushing that button and I kept thinking, but what was it about what he said that was so wrong? Because going into watching the interview, I, I felt one way about guns. And I left with a much more nuanced opinion about it. You know, um, you know, I've never been. But what I realized was it wasn't that different than when I started because I never had a problem with guns. Um, there, I do think there is some common sense regulations and some, you know, like why do we need bump stops and why, you know, like I think there are certain common sense things you know, I think, you know, every, I think the way you license getting a gun, um, you know, should at least be as difficult as it is to get a license to drive a car. Um, you well, know, about a hunting license. Well, and, uh, yeah. Most of the time you have to take a hunter safety course well, in order to get your hunting license. It, my point exactly. And I'm an RA and I would be all for that. And you want to buy a gun, then you have to get take a safety course. And, and pass that safety course in order to have in a gun. order to even own the gun, right? Yes. And so there's nothing wrong with it, that. But uh, and then from the standpoint of um, the the one interesting thing he did bring up that I that I that stood out to me was everybody who's talking about we should just get rid of guns. He was saying, where do you think they would start getting rid of the guns? The urban areas, 
which would leave you more vulnerable to the police, which would leave, you know, like every, everything that you fear now has the potential of being so much worse because the Second Amendment does give you the right to fight tyranny. Yeah. If you feel endangered, you know, which is why so many uh, people and cops get away with the I feared for my life. If, if you fear for your life, you have the right to own a weapon to protect yourself. And in period. urban areas, there are a lot of <coughs> legitimate uh, gun owners mm -hmm. that have bought their weapon, passed the background check, have a registered licensed weapon. All, all the weapons that I have, except for the ones that I've inherited, are licensed weapons. Anytime I go buy a weapon, that weapon is, is, is registered. Not licensed, but registered. Mm-hmm. So, if they were going to take the guns away, who's the first people they're going to go for? Exactly. The law-abiding citizen that's done everything right, that may just want to protect their house. Because at the end of the day, the criminal, it's he's not, not buying a gun legally anyway. So, or at least, at least I would, he's prop right, he either, he either got it on the black market or he stole it or, you know, from some law-abiding citizen's house. Uh, so, yeah, I definitely left feeling less inclined to say, oh, certain guns should be taken away. I still don't fully understand why outside of uh, uh, hunting or combat or something, why you need, you know, an AR-15. But I did leave that interview going, but it is our right to own one. It, 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 we, as a matter of fact, implied in the Second Amendment is our right to own the same weaponry as the military in case we need to fight a tyrannical government. But uh, I don't know. Well, you're not entitled to the same equipment as the military. You're entitled to, you know, the right to protect yourself. You're right. You have the right to gather in the sense of a National Guard for protection and things along those lines. You don't. You don't have the right to go buy a tank or an F sixteen or whatever. Yeah, true. Yeah, true. I mean, you true. can't do stuff like that. And besides, so I got to turn my F sixteen in. You maybe. It's a solid. I'm maybe. gone. Do you want to have a little? No, you think. And then I have a response. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just kind of soaking all in and gaining some knowledge with this myself. I didn't get a chance to finish the full interview. I thought it was cool that. Um, you know, hearing Killer Mike's stance, especially with his background and his father being a police officer, and I think having some political influence as well in the Atlanta uh, community, and just to hear that 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 spectrum and the little piece that I did hear of it, it's um, that kind of stood out was uh, right in the beginning, the first five ten minutes or so. He said he talked about how guns help the black community. I really didn't understand that. Oh well, in every major movement for equality mm -hmm. the fact that the black community was armed has helped <laughs> helped us move forward not that you know people were shooting people or killing people but you know it, it, like like with the black panthers let's say there's being able to just yeah just just being able to bear arms yeah, uh, when the situation could have gotten volatile and a lot of people could have gotten killed. He didn't well, make that point, but he also made a, a another point I thought, which was equally good, which was 
the black community doesn't get enough credit for how much they've lobbied for responsible gun ownership. Uh, and keep in mind, he was talking to the NRA. So yeah, yeah, uh, and 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 he is a member of the NRA himself. Right. And, uh, and, and he was like, "Listen, we we do a whole lot of things to promote responsible gun ownership, and we get no credit for it. And in fact, we've been a larger part of this movement than people realize." Mm. So that was another uh, thing that he was really trying to get across. Well, well absolutely. I mean, African-Americans, any, any type of race, we're all Americans. You have that. That's a right. So if you're not allowed to have it, then that's discrimination. You know, so and that's, it seems and like... That's, that's what they fought through, the Jim Crow laws and everything else. Hey, I got the same rights you do. It, so it seems like the, it's boiling down to a choice. You are trying to deprive me of my choice to protect myself. Yeah, you don't have to own a gun. Right. You have a right not to own a gun, but you also have a right to own a gun. And it gets a little sticky with, like, the tyranny and so on. Like, how is that justified? Because I I hear a lot of people throwing that out, but it seems like I just don't know if that's really going to happen. Well, I mean, if you... The reason it's in there Mm -hmm. was, you know, from... But is it actually... Like, those words aren't... In the right to course. keep and bear arms. Yeah, to keep and bear yeah. arms, yeah. Just to keep and bear, okay. But I think... Yeah, yeah, yeah. it talks about keeping bear arms and uh, joining joining militia. Um, I forget exactly how it's worded. Yeah, you you have a couple of rights within there. One, and, and it all goes back to the fact that British soldiers would just go into your house and they would do what is called quartering in your house. They would just take over your house and hang out. Mm. And so a lot of it was protection of your house. Uh, and then beyond that, keep in mind that... Uh, Everybody thinks it was America fighting the British. There was no America. It was basically 13 little tiny Americas who didn't even get along themselves, mm-hmm. all trying to figure out how to defeat the British because they didn't want to pay a two cents tax on tea. It was <laughs> a little ridiculous. But, you know, I mean, that being said, it is what it is. We but were, we, we, I, I think to your point, and I agree with you a thousand percent, I do not see the Constitution as some unchanging, perfect, flawless document. It should evolve. It's a little ridiculous that we're it's, still. It's a little. About it's yeah. I think of it as a breathing document. Right yeah, it should be a yeah. breathing document. It's not, and uh, the fact that it's not silly. And the other thing that I just absolutely get such a kick out of is you know, the founding fathers. Well, there were a bunch of dudes who hated each other, right. and they absolutely hated. It. It's not like they came in with one common thought and sat down and wrote this brilliant paper. It was because they couldn't stand each other's guts, and they represented vastly different interests. And it was born out of compromise, but that doesn't mean it's a perfect document. That even more should mean it needs to change over time, in my opinion. Born out of compromise. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing anymore? Well, it'd be nice if it, if it kept evolving, though. Yeah. Because the interests now have changed, and it needs to reflect the reality of today. And I don't think, to your point you were talking about, the first people they go after is, you know, maybe their urban areas or law-abiding gun owners and stuff. One of the big problems that people throw out all the time is, we have such a proliferation of guns in this country because we have this insatiable appetite for guns. Yeah. You know, and that's that's what floods the market with. Yeah, so, America yeah, loves of, guns. Yeah, yeah, there are a lot of legal gun owners, and that's oh. great. And they have four, five, six guns. Well, that's an enormous yeah. market. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let me let me uh, do that because you know I, I'm a member of a gun club, and self two or three of us go. Sometimes I go out by myself, but we go out as a group, and we line up our targets. And we're trying to test our skills. You know, how can how close can we group our shots from a certain distance, especially with our pistols? Mm. It's easier to shoot long distance with a rifle and be accurate as long as you got your scope dialed in and everything else. But 
with a pistol, that's a little bit more difficult. Yeah. And so, you know, we enjoy good, safe user of, of going out to the range and testing our skills. It's no different than if you play darts. You're testing your skill, you know, or, or, or anything like that. It, golf. It's, it's a little You're different than your golf skill. or darts. It's very different yeah. than golf or darts. And then well, I, know I, I can't remember the last time somebody but was killed by a dart. Or a <laughs> I'm not saying I got killed by darts, but if we're shooting at the range, we aren't out killing anybody. Yeah, you gotta, we're, the, we're practicing extreme safety measures. I get it, but you got to keep in mind it's an exceptionally lethal instrument. Oh, absolutely. And, and therein lies the problem. Is everybody I know goes, well, it's just let's make it more responsible. And you're irresponsible if you So let's toss an axe. Not, not, come on. <laughs> Once again, <laughs> one, I would love to see the axe market become as big as the gun. Well, well, maybe that, that means slightly more common right? sense. But you're not, like you said last week, on, I saw the Chris Rock special too. It was yeah, cool. yeah. You're not going into a school and chopping up 17 dudes with an axe. Exactly. You know, you're just not Porter right. was probably the best axe person of all time. <laughs> you got two or three people. Exactly. Exactly. But I mean, it just gets, well, that gets into a, That gets into a different argument than what we're talking about here because we're, we're, we're kind of talking about responsible gun ownership and then you get off into another area where... They're intertwined. You have the non-responsible gun ownership, they're, the mental health issues. Well, and I think and that is that that is the issue. They're so intertwined. It, it becomes it becomes entwined, but they're they're really in some ways, even though they're entwined, they're two different subjects. Because it's the kid that's 17 years old that can go out and buy an AR-15. You know, the, the, the Florida example where this kid at 39 times was, was triggered and, and there was no reason that he shouldn't even been able to buy a gun. And, uh, and, and I, I think you kind of have to lay that some points on some of the gun dealerships. You know, the fact that Walmart can sell guns, I have a little bit of a problem with that. I think that's, you know, a little crazy, but if, if you own a gun shop, you're going to be a lot more, you can turn down somebody and seeing this kid's coming in, he seems a little hairball on me. I don't have to sell you a gun. Yeah. Where in Walmart, they got some guy back there that, you know, has a little bit of hunting experience and he's running the gun <laughs> counter back there. You know, he's not really thinking about who he's wait, selling wait, that gun. And, and even worse, probably doesn't have any experience at all. He's just the guy who got assigned to the gun department that so, day. So let me, <laughs> yeah. let me ask you this. Like, what's the proto... If I wanted to leave this podcast and go buy a pistol, what's the what's the process? Well, like? the, well, the first thing you have to do is go in, you got to fill out a whole form. Okay. You got to fill out a, you gotta fill out a whole form. So, <laughs> yeah. and, All and, of the blanks. And, <laughs> and, and then, they, then they run you through a database. Okay. All right? You just can't... Walk in and buy it. They run you through the database. Yeah, the best part about the form is I'll tell you the answers in advance. And I think right. I believe there's ten questions, nine of which are no, and the last one is yes. And they'll tell you you literally could just take it, draw a straight, straight line at it, and it's circle yes simple. on them. Have, 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 you, have you been a fellow? It's a joke. You know they have to ask you the basic questions. Right. Um, so it's. There, there, there's a lot of holes in this. And the yeah, it, yeah, it's, 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 it's way easier and, than and it I, should. And I think it could be. It needs to be a lot more uh, stringent. This is a classic, uh, and I'm just using the NRA here because they represent a lot, lot, of, lot of larger groups who do this kind of thing. They give in on something that's not really given in at all. Mm. So they're like, well, you're totally right. We should probably get a little tougher on our uh, gun licenses. So let's 
make a form where you have to say, no, I'm not a criminal. Okay, great. But why plan? Hey, why shouldn't we have a national database and you go in, you don't get the gun that day. You come back three days later to get your gun. That takes three days. You know, <laughs> that way I think you, you are really run through a system. You want an old gun, you should be able to wait three days on it. You go buy a car, sometimes you don't get in on the first day. Yeah, well, and that's a, kind of my thing. It's like if you get a driver's license, that's common sense. you have to, you know, take the driver's ed courses. You have to do a certain number of hours on the road. You have to, like, I think like, that makes more sense to me as far as uh, being able to purchase a gun than even to drive a car. Well, NRA you know? does safety courses all the time, and that's I do not quite understand why the NRA doesn't jump on this bandwagon because I would be in favor of it. Uh -huh. I'm saying that you have to take an NRA gun safety course and become licensed in gun safety. It's a classic. Before you can, you can and that also would instantly put you into a national database. And, and my issue is less with necessarily government and government laws and things along those lines. Yeah. Uh, because. Every single mass shooting is a, they've violated so many laws to get to that point. You know, so throwing out another law, naming it after a kid in Florida isn't gonna do anything. Bobby's law will change nothing, you know, exactly. you want to call exactly. it. Exactly. My right. bigger issue is everybody has the power to make this change right now. Don't go to Walmart. And when they ask you why, which they will, and you can write in and let them know if you don't want to, it's because you sell guns and you sell them in an irresponsible fashion. So this is Dick Sporting Goods. So does you know, uh, tons of different people out there. Shields. They have the right as corporations to go, you know what, we're going to implement our own regulations on what it takes for you to purchase a gun from our store, and they've chosen not to do it, which is ridiculous to me. Yes. Yeah. Uh, this doesn't have to be a legal thing. It reminds me in a, in a weird way about smoking in bars, Yeah. which I don't care if you smoke or not. The right to have a smoke-free bar has been around forever. It takes a sign in the window that says no smoking. Is about all it takes. Yeah, all it actually it, takes. That power's been around since the dawn of time, and nobody wanted it. The consumers didn't want it. You know, and there was a bunch of people who don't vote who came out for the one vote, and now they've banned it everywhere, which yeah. may be good, maybe bad, and might be a sign of the times and all those other things. Great. Used, but that power's been around forever. I used to love to go smoke a cigar down at the Peanut on Main Street. Me too. I mean, you know, that was just a great place before. to go yeah, there. Yeah. That old bar sitting there shooting the shit with everybody and having a cigar, having yeah. a drink. Oh, and God. They get those cigar challenge some wings. I mean, what the hell was wrong with that? There are bars yeah. you don't want to go into without smoking. I mean, yeah. I can think of a lot right. of right, 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 right. music spots Absolutely. that you just don't want to see in the light of day. It looks better with AIDS <laughs> and smoke. It looks better with AIDS and smoke. It's Kansas City. The place stinks like hell anyway, so what the hell does it matter? My thought exactly. Uh -huh. But And again, you have the right as a consumer not to go there, and they have the right as a business owner to not have it. I just don't know why you need laws all the time, especially when they're, they're just not really enforceable. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's kind of my thing. It's... You know, I've never been one for um, over-regulation, you know, but I do think there are definitely two or three common sense things that can be done, and done pretty quickly, mm -hmm. uh, but that would change the landscape of, of how uh, guns and gun ownership 
is uh, is viewed and done in this country. Sure. But and not to be unfair, and I'll let you go, Dave. Sorry, not to be unfair about the laws. The reason the laws often get passed is so if you're a prosecutor, you have yet one more thing you can charge them with to try to compel them to make a deal with you. Exactly, I get that, but they're just so unnecessary a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. well, part of the problem is too. Uh, last year, maybe year and a half ago, an American Hunter, which is an NRA magazine. They had all the gun laws that were on the books and what each gun law got you. Politicians love to pass gun laws saying, look me, I passed this gun law, when they don't enforce half the gun laws they passed. Absolutely. You know, maybe I think about enforcing a lot of the laws you got on there and quit making a bunch of new laws. Let's, let's get serious about enforcing the laws. I mean, you commit a crime with a gun, you're supposed to go to jail for five years. Period. No problem. Yeah, you know, uh, I can't remember. It doesn't happen all the time. I'm trying to remember. I don't know if you remember the case with the kid uh, who claimed affluenza. Yes. Yeah, I like. Okay. Yeah, like, I like. I was trying to. I was trying to remember how he. I was trying to remember how he killed those. He was drunk and he hit somebody going down Ward Park. He's driving. Right. Okay. But still. Oh, so which actually gets me back to, to my point. It's right. It's like so. I, you know, there's an extreme number of auto deaths a year, but nobody's trying to ban cars. You know, and because cars in and of themselves. Um, can be a deadly weapon, but there, but, but, you know, there's a perceived need uh, for everybody to uh, to have and own a vehicle. Um, so, I, I guess what I'm feeling anyway is that there is no perceived need by the people who are pushing to you know, remove guns from society, you know, there's no perceived need to have a gun. Um, but, you know, as the, as the laws stand, as the Constitution stands, it is every American's right uh, to, to own a gun. Uh, and so I'm not saying by any stretch, uh, let's change that. I guess my thought is, I guess the next question is, you know, for me, it's making the uh, process of getting a gun a lot more extensive, you know, similar to what it is when you uh, get licensed to drive. You know, are there any other things that, you know, the panel can think of that would make sense, you know, uh, well, without taking away anybody's guns or anybody's rights. Let's been talk about the 21 age. <clears throat> I, I have a little bit of issue with the 21 age because we give a kid that's 18 a gun and tell him to go fight war. But, you know, it, would ha it should be at least 18. Yeah. And, and yeah. like I said, they should have a, a, a gun you know, training, safety training, just like we do for getting a hunting license. Um, you have to think about something like that. If a parent or a guardian wants to come in with you and, you, and you're 16, you still have to have your safety training. And they can buy that gun for you, but it has to be a parent or a legal parent or a guardian. I just don't see 
I mean, there was, there was something in National Geographic years ago about the development of the teenage brain. And it was just fascinating to me about, you know, some of them develop faster than others, but they're, they're, they're thinking. And we go back and think about our, our own selves at that age, where the hormones are running through you and all the questions about manhood or where running through you or womanhood. And you're, you're kind of messed up puppy at that age. You don't really fully get everything that's going on out there. You really don't. And you're doing some stupid shit every once in a while. There's a reason you're doing that stupid shit, because you haven't reached that body of mental maturity yet to be able to handle a serious issue such as a gun usage. Yeah. Gun is, is a serious responsibility to own that gun, to take care of that gun, to lock that gun down, to do all the gun safeties that you're supposed to do. You cannot just leave a gun sitting around the house. I don't. You know, yeah. I don't have any children in the house, and I don't leave my gun. Is is always know where my gun is, so I can pitch it, put it to you that way. And it, I do have a gun in the house. Say, so I, I see, I see, uh, I see Dave or Chris having some old James Bond shit, flips some wall panels and some some portraits and <laughs> some guns behind them somewhere. <laughs> it, it changes your mind when you do have a kid in the house, what you're going to do. Yeah, 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 sure. yeah, yeah. absolutely. I kept it right by my bed, or just for easy, quick access. And, you know, <coughs> you Excuse think me. twice about it for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other thing that came out in the video that I thought was really interesting um, was the fact and, and he brought this up. He said, the kids in Florida are viewed as heroes for getting up and speaking their minds, where the kids in Ferguson were viewed as criminals who were out there to cause trouble. Exactly. And that, I thought, was maybe one of the most interesting things yeah. that he said coming out of there. Yeah, that was that was actually pretty profound. And I think, you know, uh, you know, you, t you know, you know, you know, being a black guy and, and and talking to you know, kind of people in the in the in the in the you know, kind of black community, and you know, I was I was talking to somebody about you know, kind of the just the overall uh, just kind of anger, and uh, but I think that was kind of a a really good kind of bullet point to why, you know, why people are angry, you know? No yeah, well, <laughs> yes, you know, uh, yeah, no pun intended. Uh, but the fact that, you know, the, like say these Florida kids, you know, they're being held as heroes uh, for speaking their mind. Um, and the Ferguson kids, you know, were, were the exact opposite, you know? Um, you know, maybe they uh, maybe they weren't expressing themselves in a manner that people understand as constructive. But I do think that a, a large part of that is, uh, I think, racially we don't understand each other. You know, like and and not and not in a not in a horrid way, but you know. You know, as Jordan probably knows, like black people are generally emotional. You know, like we 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 emote, uh, and, and so you know we're not probably going to, you know, stand up and give you know a soliloquy as to why we're why we're upset in in a calm and measured manner, because uh, 
these 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 topics and these themes keep coming around every generation and we're at a point of just I don't know how else to say this. And so it just comes out as an explosion of emotion. Um, but that doesn't mean that, you know, these kids are good and these kids are bad. It's these kids have had one bad thing happen to them. These kids grew up in bad, you know, and, and that in and of itself is going to change how you perceive. Uh, right, how you perceive the world, you know, how you perceive the issue. Um, but, but we got to tell the two cities in St. Louis and Kansas City. Yeah, but very in Kansas right. City, after Ferguson, they have peaceful protest. Yeah, yeah, true, true. You know, uh, St. Louis has, their, their community has gone south bad in some ways. And for, for, for reasons I probably don't understand, or comprehend, I'm not going to sit here and say I do. But for some reason, some cities have peaceful protest and some cities didn't. Baltimore didn't. You look at, you know, Chicago had pretty peaceful protest. Even New York really had pretty peaceful protest. You know, you look at some of the protests that came when all that came down, and it was a rather interesting dynamic. Atlanta had a big protest. They didn't, you know, they got out on the interstates. I think that was the wrong way to go, but but they still weren't out burning <coughs> everything up and shooting people. So, you know, it's kind of, that's an interesting dynamic from city to city. Sometimes they have their own personalities on how far they go, too. Well, yeah, I think, you know, and, and that all has to do with, you know, how local government, how local police uh, interact with, uh, with, the, with, the, you know, with, with the public. You know, I, I'm a huge... Um, you know, one of the things that he talked about in the interview that I always thought was interesting was, um, you know, the police are in a lot of cities uh, and a lot of, you know, African-American neighborhoods are more like occupying forces than they are like police. So, you know, if you feel like you're occupied, um, you you know, you strike out against, you know, the occupying force. If you, if you feel like you're policed, um, you feel like you can go and speak to Officer Johnson because right. you know who Officer Johnson is and Officer Johnson also knows who you are. I think no violence has done a good, what they call no violence here in Kansas City. Has mm. done a good job of that where they pull in the different gang members and they talk to them and say, look, we know who you are. Keep, keep, keep your shit together and keep cool. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. It's, you're you're always amazed, which is you know I think why this you know particular podcast you know does does well is um, you'd be amazed at what just conversation can do. Um, but you know if you go into a neighborhood, you're already scared to be there, and you, you know and you've never walked your beat. You know you don't go knock on door to door and say. You know, hey, Mrs. Johnson, you know, I'm, you know, I'm Officer Miller. You know, I'm, you know, me and my partner are the patrol officers in your area, blah, 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 blah. Uh, you know, so is you, your husband. Oh, your grandson. Okay, what's your grandson's name? Okay. Could you have a picture of your grandson? Okay, okay. So, I, you know what? I think I've seen him walking around the neighborhood. Okay. But when you start putting faces and names together and, then you're actually policing that neighborhood. And then when there's a call, you know, it's not, 
you know, you know, slam them to the ground, you know, you know, slam them to the ground, kick them in the ribs. It's, hey, 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 Johnny, Johnny, come on, take you, take you home. You know, it's like you're, you know, you out here, you're wilding. Let me take it to you, take it to your grandma's house. Well, and you. and uh, or if they have to take you in, it's not, you know, it's it's you know, it's not rough you up in the back of the van. It's, you know. Just, just have a seat. I'm going to call your grandmother and, and have her come down here and, and pick you up because they know who they're talking to. Or, or, even, or even on a different scale, they have conversations with people saying, look, if we tell you to stop, stop. If we tell you to pitch your hands up, pitch your hands up and let us do what we have to do. It doesn't mean we're going to arrest you. It means that we just have to deal with you we want you to stop. Don't make any sudden movements. Don't do anything that can cause us to want to pull our weapons on you because we don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Well, you know, that was actually an interesting thing he talked about in the video, too, was, uh, you know, he says, you know, just being a a, a black man in America uh, that is a gaunt gun owner, it's very different than, you know, me and Chris get pulled over for the same thing, and Chris says... You know, by the way, officer, I have a gun in the car. The officer doesn't immediately go, you know, you know, show me hands, show me hands, show me hands. You know, the, you know, but if I get pulled over and say I have a gun in the car, I need hands. to I need to do that with my hands on the wheel. Yes. And uh, there is a gun in this car, officer. Um, I'll tell you exactly where it is. You can get it. <laughs> and inspect it, and like, like, like he, he, I think the the phrase he uses, you almost have to talk a cop through a stop, because, yeah. be, you know, because they they're already afraid. It's, so it's, it's right or wrong. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's yeah. Well, and and I think that's the point. Yeah, it, it's not necessarily right, but it is the reality of uh, you know, like I say, of that of that tale of two cities. You you know, you have there, to. There are bad dudes in the neighborhood that don't do that. Exactly. Exactly. And so you know, they're trying to go home every day too. Yeah. Um, before you got to get out here, you got any other observations, Chris? Yeah, I was just. And, and I do probably disagree with the premise of the statement necessarily that what happened in Ferguson is different than what happened from a protest standpoint than other places. I, even the head of the NRA at one point came out and said, man, the greatest thing we can do for ratings is to get old white women crying. You know? <laughs> and, and so my, my larger point with this is I bet if you look around the fringes of these redneck kids to some degree i've lived in florida for many years mm -hmm. there's not a lot of outstanding kids down there and I think you can throw a rock and not hit one but you know <laughs> but i have a feeling if you looked around there's plenty of violence and stuff to report nobody wants to do it in this story because then you come off looking like an asshole whereas in ferguson my sister lived a mile away from where that happened 99 percent of the people who showed up were there to protest they weren't jack around and causing trouble. And, man, the story becomes the 1%. So I believe the perceived reality, like we were talking last week with a lot of the gun stats, and how it feels like it's getting so much worse, when in reality, if you look up the stats, it's not that way at all. I have a feeling this is probably the same kind of thing. Mm. But it certainly doesn't make for good TV. And I'm not one to bash media a lot. I just think that's an easy cop-out a lot of times. This is one where I think they know what drives ratings, mm -hmm. and this stuff drives ratings mm -hmm. no matter what. What do you think, Jordan? That. That's a great statement. What do you think of Jordan? 
Like I said, I can, I can, I can see you, see you, your uh, wheels no, turning. Yeah, I'm just taking it all in, man. Um, because this is like one of those topics, man. At, you know, at the job, it's like water cooler. People, you know, hey, man, what do you think? What do you think? I'm one of those guys. I really don't like to chime in unless I have some facts, unless I have some reference point um, where I'm making any sense. You know. Right, right, right. And it's to me, it's just right now. It's just so foggy, man. You know, it's like the media says something, and then like a guy like Big Dave, who I know is part of NRA, he has one step. So it's like, where do you go with this thing? Um, and honestly, a lot of the guys that I know that have guns are probably illegal. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, this thing is, um, it's just tough, man. It's a gray area. It's, um, it's just, it's just hard. And, and to piggyback on uh, what Dave said earlier, it's just, it's a responsibility at the end of the night, man. At the end of the day, it's a responsibility. And just flat out just have some irresponsible people that own guns. Um, how they got them or whatever, I, I don't think that's so much the issue. I think it's irresponsible people with guns. And I just don't think that can be solved. You know what I mean? Um, that's... I don't know. So it's tough. And yeah. I don't own a gun. It's, uh, so it's... But that's I'm not really great. biased that's a at all. Choice. Yeah, I, and, I'm and, actually going to get one, though. I'm going to get one. You know, the, you, but, if you want to own a gun and you want to enjoy the shooting sports, that's mm-hmm. one thing, you know. And, and if you do own a gun, you do need to enjoy the shooting sports and go learn out how to use the gun responsibly, what that gun's going to do. You want to be accurate with it, especially if you have to use it for yeah. self-protection. And that's, that's my thing. That I would just solely, I, I probably wouldn't want to go shoot much, target I'd practice. I'd rather shoot some just, dude in the knee than see, that's drop him dead. That's the thing that gets me, like. You know, but th- that causes problems, too, because then I get sued because I shot him in the damn knee in my house. Well, one thing that so I've. There, there's all kinds of gray areas there that you can run into. Yeah, one thing I've always heard is, like, shoot to kill. If you, like, if you draw your weapon. I don't you really kill want to kill the dude. I want, I want to make sure he well, see, that's back. The, that's the thing. I don't want to kill anybody either, but I feel like if... If I had to, I would. I yeah. do have that ability. Yeah. I, I guarantee you I do. And that would be my thing. It's like, if, if, I'm, if I'm making a choice to purchase this weapon, this weapon is going to be used to kill somebody, essentially. I mean, yeah. if I'm protecting my home and you know somebody attacks my family... And he rushes you, what are you going to do? Well, you honestly, if he rushes me, I'm putting a bullet in to kill your hope is that it's not because if it gets to me, I got problems. It's to avoid a killing. Like, yeah, and really. you know, it's funny. Like uh, my ex-wife and I used to live downtown mm-hmm. in in a you know large building with a lot of people living in there. And you're like, yeah, you know, I, I feel pretty safe with you here because I was traveling all the time. Like I feel okay with you here because there's enough other people around. And even at that, the chances of them picking our place out of everybody to go after we we were pretty high up and all that stuff. Pretty pretty thin. Yeah. Once we got a house. It all became different because then right. I was traveling quite a bit, and yeah, then it's just luck of the draw. They will just pick anybody's house at some you, point. You'd like to get it. the person on the ground and tell them you lay there until the cops get here so and you, hold a gun on him. That that should be the ultimate goal. Right. Mm. So, and I did have to pull him once because kids were trying to break into our house, and I do feel like it it put a quick end to a situation that could have escalated and gotten much worse. Uh, and I feel like it probably avoided something bad that could have happened out of that situation. Um, right. But, you know, one of the things that I think is a good one 
to remember at the end of this segment is exactly what you said. We always talk about having conversations. Well, in my mind, I love loved your answer about, you know, I just like to sit back and listen sometimes. Because in right. conversations, it seems like it's a lot, a whole hell of a lot of talking. I don't necessarily think it's a whole lack of conversation is this country's from. I think it's a lack of listening, which is yeah. this country's from. Yeah. And, and I think it's why you make sense almost every time you speak is because you did listen. And then you put your thoughts together and came about it from a reasonable point of view. That would be nice if we could all do that a little more. Amen. And with that, I think I'm going to let that Appreciate be the last word. Too, yeah. but tell my wife that later. <laughs> <laughs> it never works with yeah, <laughs> It does not quite work the same thing with wives. But. Like, oh, exactly when did you listen? <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. I think on that, I'm going to uh, end this segment. I don't know if we've solved any of the world's ills, but um, I knew uh, we'd eventually have to have this conversation in full, and I'm glad we did. Um, so, with that, we'll be right back. Hey, you having a good time? Let me introduce you to a couple of my media brothers. First, www.americathemixtape.com, a cipher on American politics, society, and culture. And where'd I get that mixtape? Of course, www.cornerbodega.us, purveyors of urban culture. Come on. Let's get back to the party. And we are back. And before we get out of here, let's talk about today's sugar, honey, iced tea. Uh, for those that don't know, these are things that I or a member of the group have found that are really cool, a.k.a. the shit. And today's sugar, honey, iced tea uh, is freedom. And I'm not going to uh, give you too long and drawn out uh, a thing, but I do want to say... Uh, to be truly free, um, that means that you can make decisions from any vantage point you want, except for fear. Fear is the worst teacher. And that, in part, is why the gun debate is so difficult in this country. Um, Everybody's scared of something, you know, you've got, uh, you know, you've got, you know, poor people, you know, afraid of what, you know, the, you know, kind of the rich class may do. You've got, you know, people afraid of what the government may do. You've got, you know, black people afraid of what white people may do. You got white people afraid of what black people may do. Uh, you've got, you know, the, you know, the, the, you know, the old, you know, scared of the young. You've got, you know, you know, women afraid, you know, of, of men. And, and these days, men are a little afraid of women with, with the beginning of this Me Too movement. But uh, what I've come to find is uh, fear, as a general rule, is a horrible teacher. And in order to be truly free, you have to not be afraid. And not being afraid allows you to make decisions uh, in a smart and measured way. Um, and maybe... I got a quote for that, too. Yeah, please. FDR, mm -hmm. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, mm -hmm. World War II. Yep. His famous speech when uh, he decided to go war. We have nothing to fear but fear itself. 
And with that, I'm going to end this podcast in the way I end all podcasts. And that is with the toast that started it all for me. And that is to good times with good people.